We'll do that. So here we are. We're doing the book of Judges. We're in chapter 14. We have 14 and 15 scheduled tonight. And it's really probably what I would say is the most famous judge in uh, Judges. Everybody's familiar with Samson. You know, unbelievers have heard of Samson. He's a superhero. <laughs> I mean, he does things that only superheroes can do. But we know where he gets his power, don't we? Yeah. I was thinking about him today. <laughs> what if he had actually taken his lot in life seriously? And what if he had actually led the people of Israel? Wouldn't that have been awesome? I mean, he would have been able to... I mean, he would have been like the first Saul. He would have been... He would have been... Like a king. Like a king. He would have been great. <laughs> Instead, he blows his whole life and till the very end. And the beauty of it is, is that God uses him and to make his purpose. <laughs> That's what's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. So that's that's the idea always. And he uses Samson to disrupt the whole thing, cozy little relationship that the Israelites have with the Philistines. Going pretty good there. They're not their own nation, but they're living kind of comfortable. And uh, he uses Samson to give them all sorts of trouble to have. It's just when it was looking good. So God breaks it up and He uses this man to do this and gives him all sorts of power and uh, it would seem like one who wouldn't have been likely to have been a great judge of Israel. How does he judge? <laughs> doesn't seem like he does any judging. He just goes out there and just, around. Yeah, just <laughs> pops people around. That's what he does. So that's what we're going to be dealing with tonight. And uh, again, it's all about who God is and what He's doing, His purpose, and His purpose with the nation of Israel. And so He'll do uh, whatever way that He deems to be the right way. And it works every time. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, praise You. We glorify You. You, the holy God that You are, and You truly awesome. We adore you. We look at your word and as we look tonight at uh, Samson, we uh, know that you created him, you elected him into the family of God. And he is seen as a man of faith. Even though there are many things that would make people wonder how could he ever be a believer? But you used him, Lord to get your purpose done, and it was. Lord, throughout this particular book, we see so many failures. The whole nation was a failure. But yet, you pull it out, and you use it as really the forerunner. Samson is kind of like a picture of a deliverer and picturing ultimately the ultimate deliverer, Jesus He's the only one that can take away sin. And that's the problem of mankind in this world. And as we look at it, may we be able to correlate with what happens in our life at this particular time that we live on this earth and recognize that you're working in it and it's working out the way that you want, ultimately. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, chapter 14. It's all set up by... Uh, the last couple of verses in 13 where it says the woman gave birth to a son named him Samson and the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. And He did. He empowered him. He blessed him. He graced him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahana Dan between Zorah and Eshtetol. So here we go. Chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah saw a woman in Timnah. Uh-oh. One of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back, told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. 
Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she looks good to me. However, his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, for he was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. Now at that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. How odd. How would God use somebody who is disobedient like this? He's doing something that is not what godly Israelites are to be doing. The ones who are set apart. He's not supposed to be taking a wife from the Philistines. Is that God's will? Yes. Why is it that God is going to use that situation to get things started? To get it cooking? (laughs) There you go. He gets the spark. And there's a lot of sparks and a lot of fires going on in this chapter as we move into it. You're probably doing what I'm talking about. Yep. Gets the spark going. For some reason, I never thought of it like that, though. I know I've read it before, but for some reason just never clicked that it was the Lord's will that he grabbed a Philistine wise woman to be like the beginning of the problems that are to come. It was of the Lord. Now, he's held responsible for his own sin, but yet at the same time, God has this in mind to stir this up. He knows what's going to happen. Is it His will that He just goes out and marries a Philistine and wreaks all sorts of havoc like that? Well, in one way, no. It's not. You know, there's the revealed will of God. There is the mysterious will of God that is not revealed. So behind that all, knowing and ordaining this we get the story that God uses in His purpose. Now, the degree of canonization in Israel is incredible at this time. You have Manoah and his wife, and they seem to be godly people, don't they? God has blessed them. And they knew it was a violation of God's law for Samson to take a Philistine wife, but nevertheless, he takes a Philistine as a wife, anyway. He just doesn't. He's warned by his parents. Have you ever noticed when you've told people who are believers and you tell them that, okay, here's an unbeliever. Uh, the Bible says that we're not to be unequally yoked. There's a reason for that. There's more than a, a reason. There are many reasons. How many times have I warned people down through the years? Not once, ever, did I ever change their mind. Never. I've seen plenty. I've warned a lot. You guys have probably warned a lot. And they never will change their mind. You know, Romeo and Juliet, you know that story? You know, that's just the way it's going to be. Matter of fact, you make them want to do it even more. And it's like, okay, should I stop telling them that it's biblically wrong? No, I can't. I've got, but I know how it's going to turn out. You tell a couple who is, is uh, you know, they're going to get together or they're going to they're going to marry or whatever, and you tell them you're not right for them. It's probably the worst thing you can tell them because now they're going to prove you wrong. I it, I don't. What can you do with that? Am I thinking negatively here? Or am I just... I'm telling the truth. Have you guys felt that before too? When you know you're going to tell them and they're still going to do it anyway. But are we to refrain from telling them truth? Sometimes I'd rather just back off and not say anything. Because at least I wouldn't get in some kind of trouble. Or maybe I can keep them as friends. Well, I try to do both. Keep them as friends and still tell them the truth, and it doesn't work. <laughs> it's a good thing none of us are 
<laughs> so, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, well, Carl back in my time, Carl there was somebody trying to tell me something. Carl wasn't a Christian when I started going with him. I mean, I went out with him and I let him know. You yeah, know, yeah, you did. What you the did. situation? Now. Yep. He turned so fast, I couldn't believe it. He's yeah. It was like the second time we came out to church. He he kept you guys up most of the night. That yep. was I kept trying to dissuade, dissuade. And then the more and more I you know, I said it. the first The more that it seemed like, you know he he knew. But yet at the same time the Lord worked in that. And but you know, you were saying, Hey listen, I'm gonna Pull out, show him who I am, which you you did all along. He always knew that. You never hid anything from him. And he was drawn to that. So, you know, and in that sense, yeah, that same night, all of a sudden, I started thinking, hmm. He didn't have a lot of time. No, he did. He had to move pretty fast. The Lord had to move right in the But she told him and showed him who she is. And at least have to do that. And then if you don't like me after that, okay, I'm not changing. Right? So, God can bless that. Well, here's this story here. And it's telling us, you know, Exodus 34 talks about not taking the wives from any of the Canaanites or anybody. It's supposed to stay as in a nation of Israel. That's God's law for them. This tells us that now God is working through Samson, nevertheless. Despite of what Samson is going to do, God is going to accomplish His purpose. He's going to disrupt this whole relationship. Israel-Philistines. The Israelites do not have the heart to take action and go to war against them. Why should they? They like what they do there. And it's peaceful. God will cause the Philistines then to take action against Samson. And in that sense, the Israelites. Uh, He is never going to let Israel lose their covenant identity. If they would have blended in and kept marrying Philistines or whoever, Israel would have been lost and we wouldn't know the difference. There wouldn't be such a thing as Israel. He wouldn't have an Arab-Israeli dispute that goes on constantly and every day, right? But God had to keep them in their identity. And He has always done it ever since they became a nation. Even for 2,000 years, whenever they were scattered, they were still a people identified as Jewish people. And he uses, he comes in, intervenes, uses this uh, most unlikely of men, like Samson, who doesn't seem really spiritual. I don't know, do you even see him as as an educated type judge? (laughs) Judge basically means deliverer, but you know, he's leading the people but he leads them in a little bit different way in this story. So anyway, uh, we find out that uh, the parents are going to keep on loving Samson, not separate from him, but they're going to show that, hey, we love you, we're here, we don't agree with what you're doing, you know, it's, it's wrong, but there they are, there's still support. Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother. So it shows they're part of it. But this 
marriage, they came as far as the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord, there we go, came upon him mightily. So it's not Samson and his great strength. It's the Spirit of the Lord. So that he tore him as one tears a young goat. Debbie, would it be kind of hard to even tear a goat? How do you tear a goat? This is a lion. I guess some people could humanly possibly maybe tear a goat? Oh. Can we come down to your house and try that on one? If it was a very young goat, maybe. Well, maybe that's what it was. Dennis, what are you doing to my goat out there? <laughs> Some tomorrow morning she'll be looking out the window. They make stuff out of that goat. They make stuff out of goat skin for its toughness because it's hard to tear. But a lion, a lion, only the power of the Lord, Spirit can do that. I tend to think he's six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. I mean, you know, like this, and you see him, you, you know, like in the in the comic books, the Christian comic books. You know, what I mean, kind of like a giant. Yeah. I mean, I don't really. I think that's just like an idea I got in my head because when I read it, that's how he sounds. He just sounds really big and tall and like. It does. Just a foot over everyone else. Wouldn't it freak you out? He's five foot six <laughs> and 140 pounds. Might be five foot two or seven. I'm thinking because it's not him. It's the Lord. It's the Lord's Spirit. But see, he forgets that sometimes. And he thinks it's him doing that. We'll see that in a few minutes here. I think he's probably five foot two and just a brute. One of those wrestler types. Curly, curly, my size. curly, there dark, you go. Curly, dark, curly hands. <laughs> so, the, the lion is roaring. Spirit of the Lord there comes on him. Tore him as one tears a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand, so it's bare hands he did it with. But he didn't tell his father or mother what he had done. Hmm. Why? So he went down and talked to the woman, and she looked good to Samson. Well, I think we've seen that before. You know, looking is one thing. <laughs> what uh, what she's about, character-wise, is another. Uh, that's the third time that we've heard that. I do believe that Samson, being the womanizer, that he picks these women who would be considered to be pretty gorgeous, <laughs> oh. Delilah, oh, yeah. this lady, you know, I mean, he's not going to go after some, you know, Israelite, Israelite who maybe is not, uh, maybe she's not quite as fun. Yeah. Kind of free with the. <laughs> Goes after Philistine ladies. So, anyway, this, this lion attack here seems random, doesn't it? Well, you know, right there, but it's vital to the story here because it's clear that that God gives Samson the strength to do this to the lion. There's no man who can do this. Now, one man could do what he did right there. Not sure if Samson really understands here what what has happened, uh, or if he sees the hand of God at this time. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, but I think that he's far more interested. Rather than understanding and giving credit to God here in the woman who was right in his own eyes, what he sees. Okay, so, so I'm going, this is going through my head that he's tearing this lion apart. Right, I mean, there's blood flying everywhere, right? I mean, he's got to be pretty well covered. Now, how is he not going to tell his mom and dad? <laughs> yeah. Or this woman here, I mean, sure, I was like. Yeah, his replies follow. <laughs> it's kind of gross. Yeah, he's going down to see his lady. Unless he just tore it up and didn't get any blood on him. How? 
I mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> maybe they just strangled the thing maybe and the not opened lady, it up. Maybe that would have been different. Maybe a woman was like, ooh, a man covered in blood. Morbid, like, you know, like, you know, so oh, weird. Okay. Maybe that's what she was thinking. Whatever it is, uh, good question. I hope there's some water by or something. So anyway, talked to the woman. She looked good. When he returned later to take her, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion. They're going back on, right? Behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the body of the lion. So he scraped the honey into his hands and went on eating as he went. Probably the best honey he ever ate in his life. This is heavenly honey. No, no, that's the whole. What? Thing. They don't. Yeah. Bell's yeah. asking. They came and built it the time he was gone. Yeah. For some reason they decided to build the nest inside of the it's lion. It's supernatural uh, keeping this going because it's preserved. Okay, I He's with his mom and dad. Where he left them somewhere? He must have left them somewhere. And then. He went down and talked to the woman, and after some days he returned. Where did he go? It was like he's going back through that way. Going back home. So he got off the road. Went he returned off. to take her. Where he? Mine says he, after some days he returned to take her. After some days. Later, to take her as wife, right? Okay. Yeah, sometime later. I don't know. Back to marry her and turn aside. I think there's a whole lot more going on than the Lord's given us privy to. And usually, <laughs> it would be like a year before there would be a wedding. I'm not saying that, but that's usually pretty well the customs of that. Well, that this whole thing is supernatural, you know. So if God wants to preserve that, but that carcass in this case, naturally would not be it's preserved not, it's, so it's unless not full of. Muscle and whatever organs. This could be dried up and, and pretty much. Yeah. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? That's the information we're given. Because yeah. Mike just says sometimes. I don't think we're getting all the information here. <laughs> whatever it is, he, he's going to now marry her. He's got his mom and dad with him, his father and mother. He gave some to them, they ate it. But he didn't tell them that he had scraped the honey out of the body of the lion. Yeah. Now, why wouldn't he? What's that? It's, <laughs> it's a Nazarite vow, also. But if you touch a dead body, then that's going against the law, uh, ceremonially unclean. Uh, this is not an ordinary occurrence here. Samson wasn't allowed really to come near a corpse. Then that's the idea. Uh, he, that's why, you know, he didn't tell his parents about what he did with that lion. And he didn't tell them about the honey. So he's really making them ceremonial unclean, even though they don't know it. But he knows it. So, <laughs> he's making them unclean. He's unclean. So, he knows what he's doing there. Um, number six, you get to, you know, the whole idea of the, the Nazarite vow and such. Law. In verse 10 and 11, Then his father went down to the woman, and Samson made a feast there, for the young men customarily did this. When they saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. Well, a wedding would be maybe, a, you know, we think a one-day wedding. Sometimes they would have a wedding that would be seven days. And it says a feast. Probably what's going on here is easily a wedding feast. You could have a, especially with Philistines, seven-day drinking bash. I'm not saying that Samson drank and got drunk. He's not supposed to, so I'm not putting those words in there. But you guys can 
take it for what you think it could be. If they're having a feast, what do you think Samson's doing? He did all the other stuff to show his heart when he did all the other stuff there. I think that's what it's pulling you into. What he's, he's pulling it right in and he's forsaking everything yeah. because of what he did with the honey and everything else. like that. And then bring it, it's one thing he ate it, but he brought it home to his parents. So it's kind of like in your face, kind of to those vows. He was yeah. Like his wife. You know, back to number six, if you already filed that he, he was supposed to bring sacrifices and penance. So go through all the ceremonial. He didn't do any of that. Yeah. So he didn't tell his parents, hey, it's better that they don't know. You know, we'll just go move on, you know. I've got things to do. I've got a woman. So it's kind of interesting. Verse 11, 30 companions. Who do you think these 30 companions are? Security guards. They'll trust Samson. They uh, don't know about him at all. Philistines don't. So the companions here are going to be here uh, to guard against what Samson might do as a threat. So like if Trump showed up to talk to the Democrats, <laughs> there would be a whole bunch of them around because they're ready to poke him anytime we can, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To keep it from getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. So... Samson has a... That was Samson's marriage there. He had the feast going along with it. This is obviously a marriage time. Then he's... He's got to be a pretty cool guy, you know? Hanging out with the guys. And there they are. They're really the enemies. He thinks he's cooler than them. And uh, gives them a riddle. Uh, That's what the next section is. Samson said to them, Let me now propound a riddle to you. If... If you will indeed tell it to me when the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I'll give you 30 linen wraps and 30 changes of clothes. But if you are unable to tell me, then you shall give me 30 linen wraps and 30 changes of clothes. Now these guys are the security guards (laughs) watching him. So he's making them a deal. This guy, he's cool. (laughs) I mean, he has things going here. And I'm going to... I'm going to get these guys. Here they are. He's a smooth operator. Here it is. And they said to him, Propound your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat. And out of the strong came something sweet. Even in our English it comes out rhyming. They had to make this do that. to do it. Who knows how it came out in Hebrew. But whatever it is, it rhymed. We can always figure out. Yeah. And that would be correct whatever it says in the Hebrew. What we would do then is if you're interpreting it in English, you try to make it also rhyme. But And so you use words to translate to make that still make sense and still yet get the rhyme to it. Eat sweet. But they couldn't tell the riddle in three days. Then it came about on the fourth day that they said to Samson's wife. So they go to her. Entice your husband so that he'll tell us the riddle. Or we will burn you in your father's house with fire. They're, they're not kidding. Have you invited us to impoverish us? We're not going to buy him clothes. You tell us, we're going to burn you down. Wow. Nice guys, huh? Philistines? Huh? Samson's wife wept before him and said, You only hate me. And you do not love me. They just got married. She's already turned you have propounded a riddle to the sons of my people and have not told it to me. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told it to my father or mother. So should I tell you? Almost like he puts his mom and dad up above her now. Right? He says, I haven't told anybody. Why would I tell you? Oh, that really hurts. Pretty crude there. However, she wept before him seven days while their feast lasted. She doesn't want to see their place get burned up. So she's going to try her own little tricks. And on the seventh day, he told her, because she pressed him so hard, Okay! 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 All right, enough, I'll tell you. 
You know, a woman can really just keep at it and keep at it till eventually the man gives in. How many times have you seen that? I'm speaking in front of four women here. I'm going to get in trouble. What's that? <laughs> I never thought of that. Thought Men don't do that, do they? <laughs> they just do what they want, right? <laughs> Be careful, Debbie. We're on TV. <laughs> so, uh, and Samson's this way. As strong as he is, they can finally get to it. They wear him down. Reminds me of Solomon as well. Oh, he got worn down for good too, didn't he? And so does that tell you kind of about the character of men and women? <laughs> so we'll move on, we won't get in trouble. <laughs> So, she, she then told the riddle to the sons of her people. Sure enough, he tells her, and what does she do? Later on, it's almost the same story. And because she doesn't want to get burnt down, so she tells him. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, Oh, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. So, what's going on here? Those guys were stumped by the riddle. Then they turned to the woman and they, you know, they threatened her, basically, and her family. There's cheating, there's manipulating going on by them. Cheating and manipulating going on by the woman. And why did Samson even do this in the first place? And you know what he's doing? He's gambling because he says, if you don't come up with it, then you give me the clothes. But then I have to give you the clothes if you do. Well, he didn't think they would. So he got himself into this mess. He didn't have to do this. So he's gambling. There's another deal that's going on. So he loses the bet. He realizes he's lost the bet. And he knows how the Philistines came out with that riddle, you know. So he says, "Hey, you know, uh, if you'd if not been with uh, my wife and you doing what you did, whatever you forced out of her, you would have never gotten my riddle." And they wouldn't. They'd never gotten it. I think it's a personal weakness. He he called her a heifer. I've got a feeling that didn't go over too well. He doesn't like what she did. He's really mad and angry at them and his wife. You know, I mean, he's just really. And this shows you that he's weak in a lot of ways. I'm sure that he had some kind of talk with his wife, and you know, and he gave in there. And uh, it's thrown right back in his face by the enemies. Now he's made to look bad, at least the way that he takes it. And Philistines are mocking him, you know, that uh, he's, they're the ones who are cool now, and he's not. And he's broken his Nazarite vows. He's going to react in anger and disparage both the Philistines out of this deal and his wife. Of course, he has a quip, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. And he, So he accuses them of cheating and calls his wife a cow. So here we are. We're at a not a good situation. And this is the wedding feast within seven days. That quickly. And so we come to the key point of the story. Not only is Samson's marriage short-lived here, but we see that his patience is very short. He goes into a rage, but God is going to use that to disrupt the peaceful coexistence between the people of Samson and the Philistines. We learn that in verse 19 and 20. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. Here we go again. 
And he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of them. Took their spoil. And boy, he's got it going now, doesn't he? Now he's, he's got this thing spinning. He gave the changes of clothes to those who had told the riddle. He went back to the security guards who had been watching him. And he says, here, here's your clothes. He comes through with his bet that he lost. So you know he dumps it on them and, and they know what happened. How in the world does he get that? He doesn't have the money to go out and buy 30 sets of clothes. Are those These are Philistines that he kills. These are fellow companions of these guys, or at least of the nation of the Philistines. And so, you know, he brings them back and gives them what he said. And his anger burned and he went up to his father's house. He left. He left his wife. He didn't want to have anything to do with her, you know, because of that. But Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his friend. That was probably the best man. And what's a best man for? In case the one getting married, he, he can wind up getting married to her, right? Is that what that's about? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but it happens here. He goes ahead and gives her away, basically. He didn't want her. But a few days later, it changes his mind. It's his wife. But he's so angry and so mad. Well, he got embarrassed. He was the cool one. And he had it, and his wife gave in. There's the 30. So he goes out and gets 30 other. I mean, that is really something that do it. But this is all part of God's plan. That he would get Philistines enraged at him. Well, he's got it going, doesn't he? So, time on. Okay, we're good. We're good. Uh, we're in 15 now, right? All right, now, Samson burns the Philistines' crops. <laughs> he is wreaking havoc now, isn't he? <laughs> he is. But after a while, however long that was, in the time of wheat harvest, that means the wheat has grown up as far as it, it's time to bring it in. Perfect time. Samson visited his wife with a young goat. There we go. <laughs> Is that going to impress her? I don't think it's really for her. I think it's for his father-in-law. He's trying to get back in good with the family. This is his wife, but his wife has somebody else now. I will go into my wife in her room. I don't have to explain that, do I? Moving on. But her father did not let him. This is an X-rated story all the way. I mean, violence, X-rated, sex, X-rated. I mean, this is what Samson is about. God doesn't hide it. This is a human being who gives a lot to the flesh. It's really what he does. It's a battle of the spirit and of the flesh. When we look at Samson, what do we see winning? The flesh. But God has the Spirit of the Lord come upon him, and people don't see that. And Samson is wooed in, and I mean, you know, those women. He just can't hold it back. So he goes back to his wife, and obviously we know why he's going back there for. And her father said, I really thought that you hated her intensely. You left. So I gave her to your companion. They're married now, or together, something, I guess, call it married. Is not her, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Younger. He didn't come there for the younger sister. He came for his wife. He wants her back. Father-in-law says, you can't have her. You can have the younger one. I'm amazed that he would even offer his younger one. Didn't we run into this somewhere along the line yeah, in Genesis? Laban and his offering, you know. With but they had seen his temper. He killed 30 men to get their clothes. Yeah. This guy has got so to know he's kind of a hot mess. Yeah. He's a hot mess to me. He's a hot mess. So maybe, yeah. I think he's just trying to 
fires and fires. Cooling down, yeah, giving them, you know, a permanent. Well, here, here we go. Um, Samson then said to him, This time I shall be blameless in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. Samson went, caught 300 foxes. How do you do that? Yeah, those poor foxes. Took torches, turned his foxes tail to tail, put one torch in the middle between two tails. You have that dry weed out there and it's covering all the fields all around uh, this area. And that area is a great place for growing wheat. And they have it everywhere. In their backyards, in their front yards. Aren't the Philistines planted in the Israelites' land? Israelites, yeah. They're kind of right in there with Philistines. Their crops are probably growing really well because it's a land that the Lord gave to the Israelites. (laughs) So, I don't know, I just thought about that. They probably have bread to eat. You know, it's a little bit better than just being totally dominated. Mm -hmm. And they like what. Philistines have to offer. Exactly. And what's Egypt? It's the world. What's the Philistines? It's the world. What does the world try to do to the Christians? Lure them into the trap. This is the way it always works. And we're seeing Samson, and you think of Galatians 5, the spirit hates the flesh, flesh hates the spirit. You've got a spiritual war going on and God is sending the Spirit of the Lord upon him mightily. Because God says, I'm still going to use him. So he caught those foxes. Here's his anger, but sets fire to the torches, release the foxes into the standing grain of the Philistines, thus burning up both the shocks and the standing grain along with the vineyards and groves. Everything got burned. 300 foxes just going like crazy everywhere, tied together. Then the Philistines said, who did this? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, they're mad. I wonder if Samson's just looking at the plane and you're like, ah. Yeah, really? Oh, That's you got to. Yeah. I'll get revenge is here. How much does he know that he's doing God's will though too? Yeah. I don't know. This is difficult. This is hard to figure out a little bit. But then another, it, it gives us an answer to why he would allow some evil things to happen. And he never causes, he never makes people sin. Mankind is already sinful. He just lets them live in their flesh. Sometimes he intervenes and keeps them from doing that. That's what he's doing in the world right now. Otherwise, the world would destroy itself in a moment's time. But one day, I like this passage in uh, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, where the great restrainer will be taken out of the way. And man will do what he wants without God coming in and intervening. Actually, God is. But if you let man do what he wants, he can do his worst. We're totally depraved. That doesn't mean we're the worst that we can be, but it just means our nature is sinful. But we can be even worse than we can even imagine. Even as Christians, oh, it's not that great. Oh, it's bad. I mean, it's I get so angry when I look at I have to quit looking at the headlines. I get so angry yeah. when I think of evil things. I like to shoot them all. Yeah, you just like them. to. You'd like to have an automatic weapon, go just like that. You'll just line them up against yeah, the wall, wouldn't you? Shoot them. <laughs> Do Samson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I get those foxes. Big we can't do them. that, can we? <laughs> well, and I don't really think that that's godly. But that's our flesh, isn't that our flesh? <laughs> Absolutely. And the spirit says, "Penny, stop that. You know better than that, right?" <laughs> well, and I, I hear if I happen to run my mouth, I hear. And you call yourself a Christian? So. What gets me in the story is like the next part you probably read is about how the Philistines went up and burned her and her father with fire. It started out with them not wanting to lose a bet and threatening yeah. her, and she finally tells him so she 
and trying to save her family, right? And then ends up losing her life and her, her family's mm -hmm. life anyway because of her own people. Mm -hmm. Yep. Philistines against Philistines, which is no different than what I see here in America. Exactly. Right now. <laughs> Philistines' America. lives yep. matter. <laughs> <laughs> So, yep, that's right. That's exactly what's going on here. The Philistines said, who did this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Temanite. He's the son-in-law. Because he took his wife and gave her to his companions. So they're saying, the father-in-law really messed up whenever he took Samson's wife and really did give her away to his friend. But not taking responsibility for what they did in the first place, so no. threatening the family. Right. Just so they were going to They just right. just talking. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. So they killed them. Samson said to them, Since you act like this, I will surely take revenge on you. But after that, I'll quit. I don't know what he means by that. He struck them ruthlessly with a great slaughter, and he went down and lived in the cleft of the rock of Edom. He just, just destroyed them. Ruthlessly. It's almost like as we read, they did this more than Samson got revenge, and I'm almost like, <laughs> and then it's like something else happened. I'm like, and then Samson's like, ah, get my revenge again. I'm like, yeah, more revenge. <laughs> it just, like, I'm not running around trying to seek revenge, but sometimes when you know things, things happen and people get their revenge, depending on which side it is, it almost seems justified. It's kind of like an interesting. It's a, it's a. Not good what's taking place, but it's a fun story to read because there's a lot of action. It sure there's is. A lot of flesh there's a lot of like, you know, violence and you know, human nature is kind of drawn to that. It's just, Boy, if Hollywood would get a hold of this, and no. just oh, they have. Just <laughs> like it is, they, they don't have to change yeah. anything. Yeah, oh, they wouldn't have to, would they? <laughs> they wouldn't have to. It, I mean, just the way it's written, it's grotesque. It's got everything they want. Sex, violence. Have <laughs> you noticed, though, since this COVID-19, there hasn't been much new coming out of the world? Well, whatever the bodyguards, like you guys said, had threatened to do earlier if Samson's wife didn't learn the secret to the riddle, and now Samson is, uh, he's ultimately responsible for this. But it's his father-in-law who's wiped out, and then his wife is. Consequences are crystal clear here. Samson dealt with the Philistines quite a great blow. as a great slaughter. I guess the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, because how could he do that? How could he? I mean, we're not taking the rest of the Israelites, and he's leading them in. We've always seen that in all the battles and the wars that they have in Judges. It, there's always a leader, whether it be Deborah or Barak or or others, Gideon. But in this case, one man is taking on dozens and dozens of men. In this case, thousands, hundreds of men, and beating them, slaughtering them. So it has to be the power of God. And you know what? He uses Samson to take his revenge on these Philistines. And it's waking the Israelites up. Because God says, you do not take revenge. Vengeance is mine. You know what He's doing? Through Samson, one man, He's taking His vengeance. And like you said there, actually that's what God is really saying. Ugh, you know, he's enjoying this because the Philistines deserve every bit of it and it shows that I'm enjoying it even more because one man is doing it. That would show that it's coming from man. They don't, he, God doesn't need one man. He could just <laughs> wipe them out. But no, he's got to show this that this is humanly. And they're thinking, what kind of a God does he have? 
I find interesting here is that it doesn't say that like with the lion, it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and with right. the the thirty men that he slaughtered. It did there on his on this it doesn't does it. Right. But one, how could he have done right. this without right. the power of God? Right. So the power of God is still on him to do that. But you're right. I was going to say that too. He, we don't see it there, but it's obvious like it's, because it's still upon him. That when it came upon him the first two times, it seemed like it just like flared up, and then this time it almost seemed like it's. Like just his anger, his burning anger and hatred towards these people that causes him to drag through all these people. But it's obviously still the Lord giving him the strength. But it, I don't know. I just because it doesn't say that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. I don't know. I feel like that. I am find that it's more human than more like more like his. I hear you. It's fleshly. God's desire. But. He kills all these guys. He slaughters them. Slaughters well, I mean, them. How could he do that? For God that he caught the foxes. Yeah, yeah. well, how do you catch those? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, Have you ever tried to sneak up on a fox? No, you don't catch a fox. <laughs> you don't catch a fox. <laughs> you, rarely, you rarely will see a fox. Yeah. They can smell and and he caught 300 of them. Randomly ran into 300. Yeah, right. Where, how do you find 300 foxes? <laughs> that was like a short amount of time between these events that are taking place. Isn't this amazing to you? He, you know, here's the great God that we know of. He's a loving God and all, all that. And yet at the same time, how does this make sense? Well, it actually does. It does because I, I used to not like this story because... I couldn't see any sense in it. But when you said God had to wake up the Israelites, He had to get them away from the Philistines because they were just falling right into that. With that in mind, that's that how He did it. Sense to me. He could have done a thousand other I different things. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like, okay, God is using this kind of man. Like I said, you know, okay, you know, Trump's a wild card sometimes. You know, he's not as much as he used to be. But to, the, oh, but to the Democrats, he's just as wild as a card could ever be. But the thing is, you know, I know he said some things that don't sound, you know, very good for Christians anyway in the language. But I'll tell you what, God has used him to do a thing that some things that no other president has ever done. Seriously, I mean, it's it's amazing. And I'm thinking, what's God got in mind? It's exciting. I'm not depressed anymore. You know, you take a story like this, does this make sense? God is doing what He wants to do. If He has to wake up the Americans, if there, if there is going to be that uh, last little shot of revival where you'd see a lot of people come to... I mean, so well, be it. God could do that. Church. Yeah, to wake up the church. Maybe it's not numbers. Maybe it's just the church that is needs to be woke up. But, we finish it. Philistines went up, camped in Judah, spread out in Lehi. Now they're getting ready because he's hid out. He's hiding amongst the Israelites where they're camped out, where they live. Why have you come up against us? Men of Judah said to him, and they said, we've come up to them, come up to bind Samson in order to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom. They know where he's at. 3,000 men. Why 3,000? Overkill, right? No, not Samson. He kills thousands. Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? See, they're still rulers. We're having it pretty good here. Look what you've done. What then is it that you have done to us? And he said to them, as they did to me, so I have done to them. They said to him, we have come down to bind you so that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not kill me. Okay, you guys don't kill me. He kills the Philistines. He didn't want to kill the Israelites. He kills Philistines. He knows that if God's Spirit comes on him again, that he'll be able to take care of this. He says, Okay, you know, hand me over. So they said to him, No. But we'll bind you fast, give you into their hands. 
Yet surely we will not kill you. They will, but we will not, right? Then they bound him with two new ropes. Wow, ropes? <laughs> Seriously. I think the Philistines had Iron Age going around there at that time. Where's the chains at and such? Anyway. Well, they come up later. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And they brought him up from the rock. March him right to Philistines. That makes the Jews look a lot better. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him. They shouted, uh-oh. And the Spirit of the Lord, here we go. Wherever he's been, he's back to wreak havoc upon the Philistines. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned with fire and his bonds dropped from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. I mean, is this a superhuman act? I mean, this would be like on all of the superhero stories. You could believe that in a superhero story, right? But not in real life. God actually let this happen? Yeah. He ordained this. He probably put the jawbone there for him. Jawbone of a donkey, so he reached out, took it. Oh no, he's got the jawbone. Oh no, not that. I mean, you know, how big can it be? You know, Let's say about like this. Well, yeah. Yeah. About like this, right? They have weapons, real weapons. I think it's funny. I'm thinking. Oh no! Yeah, I think this is so funny. They didn't leave him alone. They went to the people. They went to his own people. It's like, yo, uh, he's bothering us. We're gonna get after you guys unless you do something about Samson. Okay, we're gonna get Samson and give him to you. It's like you should. They didn't get that you guys would have a chance against him because they had his people bring him to it, and all of a sudden they're kind of going, well, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Do you think that he's probably thinking, yeah, take me to the Philistines. <laughs> Let's see what Lord does on this one. He said he'd leave them alone back then. Yeah. So here they come after him again, so he's not going to leave them alone. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think he probably was going to be done with it. He went off and left them alone. God says, no, you're not done yet. <laughs> That's right. That's what this is. This is a mess. This reminds me why I don't go to see the match. That's right. It just keeps moving back around. Right. It never ends. That's when I stopped fighting because I yeah. learned that if I fight him, they always came back for revenge. Right. And then if it wasn't them, it was their cousins or very good I like that because we could walk out of here and say you know Revenge, we can do that. Hey, he did it. It's good. Spirit of the Lord comes upon you when that happens. But the moral of the story is the opposite, isn't it? But this was a special thing at that time. This is how bad the Israelites had become. They had be- they had become very comfortable in a pagan situation. So he found the fresh jawbone of a donkey. He reached out, took it, and killed a thousand men with it. It's hard to believe. What did happen? Samson, what's that? King David's men only ended up killing around 600 or so. <laughs> One guy almost killed 700. Here's a thousand. Yeah, that's our thousand. <laughs> then Samson said, with the jawbone, here he goes with his cool riddles and stuff, his poems, like a little song, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. Men just heaped the dead upon each other. And with the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. It's like those football players who make a tackle, a big tackle, a sacking the quarterback. And they get up and go, you know, you know, like that, and all the pride all reeking out. Used to, if you do something like that, you know what the other team would do? They'd come up there, boom, and knock you back down. 
But, you know, people like, uh, you know, they really like to get on and put it in their face. Well, Samson's put it on their dead faces. You know, and he does his song here. And then, yeah, I think he's counting them. One, two, three, four, But I have a problem with this song. Yeah, he did it. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. You don't see any glory to God here. When he had finished speaking, he threw the jawbone from his hand. Can you imagine that? It's an asset right here like that. And just throws it out. And uh, he has a new name for the place, Ramah-Lehi. <coughs> and that's talking about all the Philistines that are all just laying there. They're heaped up you know, this, in this sense here. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, Can you imagine being like number 400 in the Philistines line and like trying to attack Samson? Yeah. You, know, you think after you know 100 or so, you want to turn around and run away. I think away. they were. I think he was coming after him. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, you see, if I'm standing there and you know there's a fight and one guy's already knocked out 10 guys, well, yeah, there's a likely <laughs> chance that I'm not going to be number 11. Or twelve, or any of the above. I'm not like that. He's already knocked out plenty. I don't want to be knocked out, so don't leave him alone. <laughs> yep. Raymath Lehi. What does it mean? Jawbone Hill. That's <laughs> so. From there on, hey, what's the name of that place? That's Jawbone Hill. Well, you know what? <laughs> How many Israelites were there that turned him in? How many did he kill of the Philistines? 1,000. Why didn't the Israelites help their great leader, which they wouldn't have to do much anything, but they'd be behind him. No, they'd turn him in. Maybe they ran as soon as they yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 got out of there. They got out of there. Yeah. Well, because it wasn't there. Uh-huh. It wasn't there. Yeah. That's well, that's good. they might have kind of got the idea that something was going to happen to the Philistines when they took them up there when he said, as long as you don't kill me, I'll go. You don't kill me. You don't kill me. What did you buy me? I'm thinking they shoved him out of there. Ran like crazy. Got That's right. They just want peace. God says, you're not going to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Philistines would hate you guys. You know, by the time you know it gets up to David's time as king, you know, a few hundred years later, they're fighting them. They're still fighting them. So then he be- oh okay he threw the jawbone from his hand and they that place remotely high. Then he became very thirsty. He's exhausted now, thirsty, and he called to the Lord. There we go. He's in a need, and he calls out to the Lord. Why didn't he give glory to God already? Now he he realizes dehydrated and everything. And he says, Lord, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. You have given it. You did this. And now I shall die of thirst. Sounds like Elijah. (laughs) Right. and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. He is weakened now. He says, I'll have a chance. I'll die. i got to have water. But the water came out. uh, Oh, But God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, so the water came out of it. Another supernatural thing. When he drank, his strength returned and he revived. Therefore he named it in Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day. So he judged Israel twenty years in the days of the Philistines. Now we're not done with Samson yet. There's another chapter and we'll get to that next week. Other than the father of all being a Timnite, we don't ever get the name of his first wife or any of that. 
God completely disrupts the status quo. Sinful and apathetic people who are content actually to turn their backs upon Him to do what is right in their own eyes. Right? Even though He had come there to be kind of like deliverer, the people really didn't want Him. And that's when Jesus came... His own received him not. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Just stand like this. I bet they didn't see this as his life. Yeah. <laughs> but they had a different idea when they shook their heads. I don't get it. They probably thought great things were going to come from their side. Yeah, but 